Welcome back to Pancreas Pals, a podcast by diabetics for diabetics. I'm Emily, a writer and editor. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two women trying to live our best diabetic lives. While it might not always be easy due to the literal highs and lows, it always helps to have a pancreas pal to turn to. Hi guys, welcome to Pancreas Pals. Emily here. And Miriam. And this week's incredibly special guest is parenting editor Bethany Braun Silva, who is also a type 1 diabetic. Welcome, Bethany. Thank you, Emily and Miriam. I'm so excited to be here and really get into this with you guys. I am, for lack of a better word, pumped, pun intended. Um, It's been a minute since I said that pun, so honestly kind of proud of myself. But welcome, Bethany. Uh, We are so excited to discuss all things parenting as a type one with you. I think that this is such an important episode that I feel like this podcast has kind of grown up with Miriam and I um, in a sense of the things we used to talk about versus the things we're talking about now. Mom, if you're listening, I am not having a child anytime soon, so don't get your hopes up. To my boyfriend's parents who are listening, definitely not having a child anytime soon. Love you. Don't ever change. Um, (laughs) But we are growing up and, um, you know, pregnancy, parenting with type one, these are all things that are are top of mind these days. And whether or not you're a teenager listening to this or you have 10 kids of your own, power to you if you do, um, it's it's all applicable. Family planning, type one diabetes, you might not think of it when you first get diagnosed, but hey, it's a... It's something to think about eventually. So welcome, Bethany. Thank you. Um, Let's just dive into your diagnosis story. Yeah. So I was diagnosed in 2017. Oh, my gosh. No, I was 17 in 2002. (laughs) Wait a minute. I love that. That was amazing. Wait, that was a total just me brain fart. Okay. I was diagnosed in 2002. Mm -hmm. I was 17 years old. I was a senior in high school. I had all the typical symptoms. Uh, You know, I was losing weight like by the like pounds by the day, frequent urination, um, excessive thirst, all the, all those things and just feeling leg cramps. So, um, actually my mom is in healthcare, even though she's a, she's a pediatric audiologist, but she kind of recognizes symptoms within a month and sent me to my pediatrician at the time. I was sort of like on the cusp 17 and they just completely disregarded everything that I was telling. I said, I I went in there and said, my mom wants you to test my blood sugars for diabetes. And I guess I was 17. She wasn't with me. They were just kind of like, nah. And I mean, look, we're here to be open and honest. I had a compl- I had thrush in my mouth. I mm. had a, which is essentially like a yeast infection, right? In your mouth or yeast growing, not an infection, but yeast growing in your mouth. I don't know what was happening. I didn't know if I It got sounds grosser to- than it actually is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like fairly common though. Just to, just to say, it sounds, I don't want anyone listening being like, oh my God, ew. And then hitting Bethany up. <laughs> like this is something that happens. It has to do with pH imbalance. I'm not a doctor, but I think that's what it has well, to do with. It can happen on your lips. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And anywhere. I haven't had it since. I mean, I had it undiagnosed with raging blood sugars, but I haven't mm. had it since. I haven't had it in the last, you know, 20 years. So I might, you know, so I went in, uh, they disregarded me. I came, I, I went another month. And as we know, <sighs> with these symptoms, they just get progressively worse, worse and worse. Yeah. I was, so right. the day I went in a second time, about a month later, my mom still wasn't with me, but she was, she was kind of like, call me if they don't test you. I insisted they tested me. My blood sugar was 525. And I was Oh my God. My my parents were called. Yeah, they were they called my they called my parents and they came down. And you know it's funny because I didn't 
I, that day is very clear in my head and we're going to get into whole, my whole parenting experience, but I have still never forgotten like the reaction of seeing them walk into that office, you know, my knowing mm-hmm. that like life as we know it was going to change, you know, forever with this yeah. disease. Right. So, um, so yeah, so it was rough going for a little while. I mean, it's always rough. I think a diabetes diagnosis, but I was 17 applying to colleges. I ended up, it sort of ended, it ended up changing my whole like trajectory. I stayed home. I mean, I, I went to NYU. I mean, oh my God, poor me. But like I ended up, that's because mm-hmm. I'm from New York City. <laughs> I ended up staying home, not like going away anywhere, you know? Yeah. And so I, it was, and then, you know, it was just like all those kind of like power struggles and wanting to feel independent, but also being a newly diagnosed diabetic and needing my parents more than ever. So mm-hmm. that was, you know, 2022 will be 20 years of diabetes for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty oh much. God, the diagnosis you're so part. close. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a that's like it, it's similar to both Miriam and mine. In that, um, yeah, I'm a, combina- a combination. To me tell her story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, but I, I think you're kind of right in between a us. Dad who's, mm-hmm. yeah, my dad yeah. was also a physician. Sorry, guys, and kind anyone of who's able... listening right now and is like, why? Are... <laughs> Sorry, I there's some there's a lag going on. I will fix this in editing. But Miriam, I'm not trying to talk over you. I'm sorry. Please continue. I know, I know. But no, similarly, my my dad was also you know. My dad was a physician. Identify the symptoms almost immediately. Um, luckily, they—I was six at the time, so it, you know they tested me right away. You know, it was a much more quick turnaround. Um, but I, but in the sense of developmentally, where you were at your diagnosis, I was a kid. Emily was already away at college when she was diagnosed, um, and so for me, it was like, well, no brainer. I'm six years old. I'm, you know, of course, my parents are going to take care of me, and this is their thing that they have to really manage. Um, whereas Emily was like just past you, where she was already out in college, independent. And so you're right that 17 years old is like right. I knew no one right yeah. there. Yeah, like where you're hinging between kid yes. and like sort of adults. Um, and so yeah, I imagine that was very impactful in in how you how you grew to learn about this new life that you are forced into. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Like, like I said, it's just, you're just at the cusp of like really trying to like have some autonomy and mm-hmm. then, and then just kind of getting and like, and all like the little things you might think aren't big deals. Like maybe now looking back, it was like, whatever, but you know, missing out on like, you know, parties and going out and just feeling, you know, you're still kind of getting used to this like body with like hormones. And now it's like this whole new body that you yeah. have to like inject with medicine and, and all of that. And, and, you know, right. And weekends are spent like carb counting rather than you know hanging out and it it was just obviously party I mean (laughs) yeah your audience knows and you know I'm not saying anything Mm. kind of like groundbreakingly new here but yeah that was and looking back it took me sort of a a while to kind of reflect on that and look back and just see kind of how impactful it was on my mental health Mm -hmm. um during that time it's not something it's something I kind of haven't like revisited until like the last few years Mm mm-hmm I I know, at least from on my end, when I was diagnosed in the middle slash when I finally got my proper diagnosis and back to season one, episode one to to hear all about my diagnosis and season one, episode two for Miriam's. But um, I really looking back like it, I did not let any of that stop me. And I 
I'm honestly cr- like I cringe sometimes. Like I'm proud of myself, but I didn't have a CGM for like the mm-hmm. first however many months. I was lucky I only went months, but I was drinking. I was doing things that it's almost now like ignorance, ignorance is bliss. and that mm-hmm. is yeah but I was like fine I mean I again for I'm sure for many people that's not always the case and I am I've always been painfully responsible and now with diabetes I feel like I missed on my rebellious phase I tell my parents that all the time um but it's just it's wild and you were going off to college I can't imagine how that like had I gotten that diagnosis I might not have ever gone to Boston University you know, like 1,100 miles away from my family or anyone I knew. I would have never met Christy, who I started the podcast with. I would have never, you know, known anyone else functioning with diabetes. So I think that it's really, it's powerful. Any age that you're diagnosed is powerful, but it does, it ha- it sets your trajectory for the rest of your life with type 1. Because Miriam, you grew up getting to go to camps and getting to go um, Mm -hmm. meet other people with type one. But we were older. Like I, you know, I wasn't about to roll up to summer camp as a 20 year old. (laughs) A, that's creepy. And B, I don't think it's a thing. Uh, I know there are summer camps, but like they're like adult summer camps and they cost a pretty penny. And also like it's not the same. So Bethany, like that kind of leads me to your experience. I know we briefly talked about this before we started the episode, but did you know anyone with type one? What was your experience being diagnosed so close to going to college and then having to figure it all out? Yeah, I didn't know anyone. And to be honest, aside from you girls, I don't <laughs> really know anyone. And, um, be, you know, being diagnosed at, you know, 17 as a senior in high school, I think a lot of like, you know, compartmentalization like happened. And, you know, I guess what I mean by that is like, my diabetes was a specific part of my life that wasn't really shared with anyone. Um, So when I did go to college, it wasn't like, hey, I'm a diabetic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was like, I didn't, I never shared it. I don't want to say that I was like ashamed of it. I just wanted it to be a non-issue. I didn't want to be treated differently. I didn't want, but then of course there are, you know, like health concerns, you know, Mm -hmm. if you go low and people need to know. So I was very quiet about my, um, diabetes and try to have, you know, I'm doing quotes here, you know, a normal, as normal of a sort of college experience as possible. Um, I didn't like when, I didn't like talking about it. I didn't want people to tell me, oh, you can't eat that, this and that. So I really sort of just push, I don't know just if I still get my gum. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like if he, I, I just didn't <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like an, yeah. it's not, it's not how I really identified, you know, myself up until recently. I mean, I, I think it took me a long time to really just understand this is, it's just part of my identity and, you know, and anyone else can just, you know, whatever anyone thinks about it or questions. I think I just mostly just didn't want to field questions. Um, and it, because I was, and I was able to manage it well. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that was part of it too, because I was able to just manage it without a lot of thought the, the carb counting came easy. I was on a pump after a year. I didn't use a CGM um, for a while because it was this weird one that did. It's not like it is now where you kind of like did, you got readings like after the fact. It wasn't like yes. a sort mm-hmm. of in, instantaneous thing. Yeah. I can't and those early stage called. ones weren't weren't very, you know, accurate either. It was clump. Cumbersome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was just something I managed quietly and, you know, was able to have, you know, good numbers. It was just not, I, I had no sort of side effects. I mean, as you, you might not that early on, but it wasn't until um, recently that I started to like, you know, kind of be, 
you know, open, more open about it and identify and like try to find other people and connect with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think that finding that community, sorry guys, I'm like on such a delay over here. Um, I think that <laughs> Miriam and I always talk about the importance of finding a community, but it has to be something that works for you. I mean, when you're in that fight or flight mm-hmm. mode or when you're starting out a new chapter in your life, it's not always about diabetes and it doesn't need to be. And it honestly shouldn't be. Um, but one aspect that it should be somewhat about diabetes is parenthood with type one, which is, I don't know how seamless that transition was, but it's where I'm headed. <laughs> so skipping over the whole pregnancy aspect, because that could be an entire episode in and of itself. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I love the idea of, of you telling us how, how you discuss type one and educate your children about, you know, Hey, mom has something different going on here. This is mom's insulin pump. Please don't press a button. (laughs) How those things work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I will say, and I won't get too heavily into the pregnancy because, but I will say that was the first time that diabetes sort of like was all like slap me in the face. If I, if I can just say that, Mm -hmm. because, and I don't really mean that in a negative way. It's just like, Things are very predictable if you're well-managed and, you know, have a good team of doctors up until that point, or at least it was for me. So that's sort of, I get, and then that's kind of like a nice analogy for parenting. Like you kind of like don't know what's going to happen on any given day. And I kind of felt like that managing my blood sugars during my pregnancy. Um, But then, you know, so my kids are nine and five. They're in third grade and kindergarten. And my older son really started to notice what was happening as far as like finger sticks and stuff like that. Cause just I'm on the Dexcom and the Omnipod now, but mm-hmm. when he was first, when he was younger, I was doing um, Novolog injections and Lantus and taking finger sticks. So mm-hmm. He was seeing me do that. And of course, he sees that he was noticing that it was a needle. There was blood. And and I think his first reaction was kind of just like he was he was scared. Right. I think I think I, my if I'm remembering this right, we were in the kitchen. I had kind of my my supplies laid out on the counter. I took my blood sugar. And this isn't something that I was really I'm home. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it wasn't like the first time he saw me doing it. But I think it was the first time he really like registered that like this is not you know, daddy doesn't do this. Grandma mm-hmm. doesn't do this, you know, like, you know, so, so he saw me doing it and he had, you know, he, he got a little scared. So, and he was young and I, well, I tried to explain it to him in ways that were really digestible for, you know, a five-year-old, that this is something mommy needs to do for her health. And this is absolutely something you, you do not have to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, my nine-year-old does get kind of like anxious and, and things like that. So I knew almost immediately upon him seeing me do this, that this was going to be an ongoing conversation that I was going to want to stay on top mm-hmm. of. And he's nine years old now. Mm-hmm. How old was he this, around that time? That, that he, was, he was about five or six okay. then. Yeah. So and it's I will interesting say I have a, because like up till that point, it's almost like it's just so normal. He doesn't know any different. Oh, mom pokes her right. finger sometimes. But something, right. but something he, yeah. clicks at that age, I guess. 
Absolutely. But I will say I have a five-year-old now, his little brother, and he is a completely different beast. Like he just doesn't like, he's like, whatever. (laughs) So, but with, so my nine-year-old, even like now to this day, if my phone is in, you know, the living room and I'm in the bedroom and there's an alert for a low blood sugar or a high blood sugar, Mm -hmm. he comes running in and he's like, you know, mommy, you need to deal with this. Like, this is not good. So I'm trying, so I'm, I'm really trying to figure out what, you know, I don't have all the answers because it's something that I'm sort of dealing with on a daily basis. I obviously don't want my kid to be stressed out over his mother's health. So mm-hmm. as often as I can, I reassure him that this is okay, like that it's that I'm managing it. And um, and I think the best way that I've been able to do that and sort of alleviate some of the stress that he's feeling is to be really open and mm-hmm. transparent with him and let him see, you know, the devices, you know, this new dash system. I'm It's over here. That's why I'm looking. Um, it looks like a cell phone. It looks like a fun cell phone. So I, I let him, you know, you know, see, it's, it's fine. And then mm-hmm. he's, he, and now that I'm on the Omnipod and the Dexcom, there's really no needles happening mm-hmm. in the house that he can, you know, see. So that's helped. And, um, but yes, ex- I think really having to explain it in a serious way without, but also kind of making it a non-issue. And I think as we do that for all things parenting, I mean, we want to get yeah. drive the point home, but don't make it such a thing that it's sort of like ruling everybody's daily life. If that makes sense, yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting. Honestly, this I... sounds so similar. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Mira. <laughs> we're, we're we're getting stuck again. With this, this is just slide, showing the delay. But it, but it's um, it's interesting because I obviously do not have children of my own, but I do have a lot of nieces and nephews. Um, and the one comparison is when, when and I'm very close with my niece and she was like the firstborn of, of my niece. And when she was about three, she started noticing my insulin pump and it looks like a, it looks like a game. I have the T slim. So there's lots of buttons and it's really colorful and bright. So she looks like a cell phone. She's like, I want, what is that? What is that? And so I, and she saw my Dexcom site when we were in our bathing suits, things like that. So she would ask, you know, what is that? And I was the first time she might've been even like three at this point. Um, And I said, oh, you know, I'm just, you know, something inside of my body doesn't work right. So these are my robot parts, you know, I have robot parts to help it work better. And it felt like the simplest way to explain it. And she could kind of was like, all right, and moved on. But then after a while, she and my nephew, they would call me like, oh, robot Miriam, robot aunt. And after a while, it kind of like, it's so silly, but it like starts bothering me. It's like, but I'm not a robot. Like I'm a person. And so I felt like I had to kind of like backtrack, like, okay, wait, that wasn't the best way to explain it. So now as they're older, I kind of come up with like new ways to talk about it. I say, you know, you you have a pancreas. Mine doesn't work, so I have to wear my pancreas on the outside and tell it what to do, but yours does it on its own. So I find myself sort of like coming up with new ways to describe it every time. Um, and I'm wondering if you kind of feel like that too, if you say something to them sometimes and you're like, er, maybe that came out the weird way and I should kind of backtrack a little. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think my, even though my nine-year-old's very bright, I don't think he knows what a pancreas is. So for me to explain it in those terms, I just don't think he would understand. Um, but, you know, my husband has called me the bionic woman mm-hmm. at times in front of them. And I'm like, you know what? You know what? Like, let's not, let's not do that. Because I think when, you know, and, and I'm very, you know, sort of inundated in the parenting space. And mm-hmm. we talk a lot about, you know, people who look different, people who, you know, are move differently in the world. And, um, and I think the best way to do it is, is kind of just to reiterate what I said is to just 
not try to explain it in uh, explain it in a way that they can understand and that's simple and clear mm-hmm. and without kind of comparing it to anything else because kids they they ultimately want to know the truth and mm-hmm. I think that when we talk about you know explaining you know the facts and and being open for questions it kind of is a way that to show our kids that we respect them and we trust them to understand this information mm-hmm. you know there's there's no this is not a secret I need to keep from my kids, you know, that, you know, and I think that when that, when we sort of go into treat it like that, it becomes like guess almost like, like a stigma that we, and that we definitely, definitely want to avoid. But I do want to share one thing with you guys, because mm-hmm. I've been talking about my older son a lot and he kind of, he really does comprehend everything. Although I think he does have a little bit of anxiety around it, but I do have a five-year-old who I mentioned is the complete polar opposite. So he understands that I have these devices that absolutely um, are important to me that mm-hmm. he's really not allowed to touch unless I'm in the room and he has to ask me first. So I had this, um, you know, and I'm, you know, we're, we're working on discipline and setting boundaries mm-hmm. and all of this. And he, and I think I, he made a huge mess. I think he like, he does so many crazy things, but he, <laughs> cut like I think he actually like was doing an arts and craft project on my bed and cut like through the mattress or yeah so he got in a lot of trouble for that Mm -hmm. got he went to timeout and we sort of like took some space and about half an hour later I go to bolus or you know before I eat a snack and my I can't find my pump anywhere Mm. it is completely gone and mind you it's wrapped in like it has a case like a colorful case and yeah but regardless he knows he knows what it is and that he's not allowed to touch it I could not find it anywhere I start freaking out I'm texting my husband I'm asking my older son where is this thing where is this thing and I just see my my five-year-old is just not getting out of his room so I was like okay I don't want to go in there and it's like guns blazing but you know I was like you know Jake have you seen mommy's medicine you know and and he's just like no I haven't no I haven't oh my god this is terrifying (laughs) so um I know he's a little diabolical we we're struggling with this one a little bit rage Um, bolus on you no it was in the garbage he had thrown it in now if that had gone down the chute like what would I have done but though now this sort of escalated and I had to kind of remove myself from it because I was just yeah. so furious at this point that I was like, okay, dad's going to deal with this because I'm going to lose my shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I don't want that to happen. So that's like, it was a huge lesson in self-control, but at mm-hmm. the same time it was like, like, how dare he? <laughs> I feel like, okay. So I feel like there's two sides to this and not in terms of right and wrong, but in terms of like what he's comprehending, yeah. um, because it's the scary aspect that he's, you know, he is five, that he yeah. does know and that it's important enough that if he takes it, it will upset you. Mm-hmm. But also Which developmentally like makes sense at that age, but it's, yeah, yeah it's, it does. But then also like if I, I just, okay, first of all, that's hilarious. And second of all, <laughs> he is going to be hilarious when he's older, but also oh. definitely put a little tile on that pump because yeah, watch, watch that kiddo. Oh. That's hilarious. I'm glad yeah. you're, I'm glad you're pumped and good on the shoot. I would have had oh a panic attack if my pump went down yeah, the I don't, head. I, I think I have a backup, but that's like another thing. Like, you know, we always, I need a backup. I mean, yeah. always be prepared, but also like no one's prepared for their child sabotaging their diabetes. So. 
and I, and I obviously know he was too young to kind of like understand, understand that, right, yeah. that he was could really really like detrimentally in his head he's probably like this will just make mommy mad but like in real life right. this could really affect mom if she yes. you know like if god forbid right. you didn't have backup pens or you didn't have backup yeah. anything else right oh my so god, when he's a, a teenager it'll be a great story yes He's it's a great story, but that cringe. is, yeah, that is something I will definitely want to sort of like revisit when mm-hmm. he's older and can comprehend. Just like your older you know. kid must have been horrified. He was, he was horrified. Yeah, because he couldn't, I, couldn't believe it. I yeah, yeah, I hear that. I mean, first of all, thank you for sharing that because that kind of, in a dark way, made my night. But um, <laughs> it kind of gets me, you know on this on a different question here which mm-hmm. is what do you do when you know you need to have those important conversations or you need to have those you know be there in the in the moment with your kids but you're having a really bad high or really bad low how do you explain that yeah so you know i go i you know what it is and and this is it is you know this is just real life but um I will address a low much more quickly than I do a high. And I think we all understand Mm -hmm. why, you know, that's kind of like an easy thing, you know, I'm, but, um, and I'm kind of like, I don't know if ashamed is the right word or whatever, but I will let a high kind of go if, if I'm in the middle of something Mm and I I have my pump and, you know, I don't know. So don't be ashamed of that. Things happen. We all have our own methods of dealing with things. There is no right and wrong. You're in charge of your own body. What works for you works for you. No need to apologize. I appreciate. I I do appreciate that. Sometimes we all need to hear that, right? But um, (laughs) but I I will say um, I never struggled with it so severely again until you know this last year when Mm -hmm. you know with I think I think just the, the the whole idea of this pandemic and being someone with, you know, an auto de- autoimmune disorder and having two kids who are now home with me and a demanding full-time job, I really let a lot of my health, you know, re- like responsibilities fall by the wayside. So I guess, t- you know, to answer your question, and un- unless it's something that is kind of immediate, um, it, it doesn't always get so prioritized. And, but, you know, for me, for my diabetes, you know, journey and experience, you know, in the last 19 years, I find that it sort of ebbs and flows with how much I'm really proactively taking care of myself and following up with doctors and trying to, you know, really be on top of, you know, using that bolus calculator, mm-hmm. <laughs> like how much easier can they make it for us? And I still just sometimes like, it's still not easy. Yeah. Though. I mean, you, you talk yeah. about how, uh, how you managed it without a CGM for so long and how it, it's, it is kind of, I mean, listen, it is a formula at the end of the day, insulin needs are a formula to each individual person. But I personally, and it could be just, you know, my hormones, my IUD that I'm like, whatever mm-hmm. it is, I, it's still hard for me to get two weeks out of the month for sure. I know what I'm doing. Um, and like during the pandemic, I found that I really, sorry, dad, if you're listening, but like my periods are just all over the place. I'm constantly stressed. Even if I feel chill, I know my body is still stressed. I can see it mm-hmm. in my blood sugars. I can see it in everything. And um, I mean, like pregnancy aside, because that's not where I'm at, but um, it's, you know, I can't imagine having to deal with that while taking care of your kids who are watching you deal with that. It, mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds it was, intense. It, it's intense. It's definitely intense and it's challenging. It was so challenging, but I really had to kind of like 
recommit myself and sort of like double down on like my my own commitment to my to my health and getting like I have like a thyroid you know I have um oh my gosh hypothyroidism not yes. not full blown Hashimoto's mm-hmm. but like I could be on my way we there. Hashimoto's. <laughs> so there well, you go. We're so, like so at least <laughs> that was something I had left kind of unchecked and realizing mm-hmm. like, what am I doing? So like, th- so I, at the tail end of 2020, I really just sort of committed to, you know, getting those appointments, getting mm-hmm. that blood work done. Um, and you know, what helps for me is to also talk about it with my husband, you know, because I was, I'm so kind of programmed to like make it a non-issue, like, you know, whatever, you know, it's not a big deal that sometimes just bringing it up it kind of like reminds everybody like oh oh yeah okay bethany's dealing with this underlying kind of crazy con- deal- disease that mm-hmm. is manageable but at times really not manageable and so um i think it helps to bring it up and even bring it up in front of my kids and let everybody know that you know we are a family we're in this together but sometimes mom's operating on a completely different playing field mm-hmm. So I think just 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 bringing awareness to it within my own little family has helped a lot. Yeah, I'm sorry, and you That's and you awesome. do bring up sorry. a good I'm point. I, Miriam, yeah, go I ahead. didn't. No, I say I didn't think about it. The fact that this whole last year, like I imagine your kids have been home, you know, for at least a, a good chunk of it. So they're seeing you and your in your environment, managing your health probably more than they ever really have, and and even little things like I'm wondering, you know do they kind of understand the knowledge like, Oh, mom's low. Let me grab her a juice box or juice or something like they kind of get that. Or is it not so much? My older one kind of, kind of gets it. Mm -hmm. And because for some reason juice doesn't really work for me. Um, it kind of like brings me up and then immediately down again. I need like, so I need food. You need so, the fat fiber protein yep, component. Exactly. So I need to eat something when I'm like when I'm really, really low. So he'll he does understand that and and my husband really understands mm-hmm, that too, you know. So he will like just get me my food mm-hmm. or he'll like he'll see if he and you know the Dexcom it's on my phone if it and it will beep really mm-hmm. loudly and it won't stop beeping that so beep my is insane it yeah, has so broken the dead i'm pretty sure like well sometimes i think i'm so used to kind of just being like whatever i, I feel it. fine my yeah, boyfriend's but, but my terrified husband, yes he's my like, husband will wake up and bring me juice and he's like you need this drink this and i'm like okay uh, <laughs> i can't even so a few things here that I just like need to unpack are that my boyfriend, (laughs) the way that you describe your diabetes to your children is literally how I describe diabetes to like people I've been dating. And I think (laughs) it's just this need for people to know. I mean, I think that says a lot about me and my ability to communicate with people, (laughs) but uh, like I need people to know it's serious, but that I'll be okay. Like I'm on top of it. And I think yeah. that comes from us, at least, you know, Miriam's the licensed mental health counselor here, not me. But um, I feel like it comes from me being an adult and my parents not really being caregivers for my diabetes. Like they took mm-hmm. great care of me growing up. I'm just talking about specifically diabetes because I was an adult. And, you know, you being 17, we all, we've had to kind of be like, I got this, whether I want to or not, I got it. Don't worry. I'm fine. And I find myself downplaying diabetes a lot, but I also talk about it all the time, literally have a podcast on it. So (laughs) it's, you know, it comes from a place of fear and, 
my my biggest way to combat fear is information. And I think the more information we're able to share, whether it's to kids or to partners or to parents or nieces and nephews, um, I guess mm-hmm. they're kids. So that was already talked about. But it's important. Um, but I will say that as far as the electronics go, we've obviously come so far even in I've only had diabetes. I'm going on my eighth year this year, I think. No, that can't be right. Seventh. I'm not good at math. Don't don't ask me. But um, <laughs> I the Dexcom alarms on the phone will break through your silence, usually silenced phone. Mm-hmm. I did find out the hard way last week that it won't break break through if you have a sleep setting on your phone. So do not recommend doing that. Um, but my boyfriend, the, the sheer, he's not necessarily afraid for me being low. The noise that wakes him Jazz. up, the, Jerry the scream, it's not even a scream. It's like a, like, it's like I killed his firstborn or like accidentally suffocated him in his sleep. He flips out. And I, I have, and like that scares the living crap out of me. So it's like this, this scenario where it's like, I'm like, oh yeah. crap, my Dexcom's going on. In fact, I mean, honestly, the Dexcom doesn't get me out of bed all the time. His sheer terror does. <laughs> He's an alarm <laughs> in and of itself. But I imagine like, you know, if he'd been exposed to those alarms from a younger age, it would still be, it would be pretty scary, but it would also be a little more status quo. It yeah. just, I mean, it just kills me. I have to get it on tape. He'd kill me. He'd kill me if I, <laughs> if I posted anything about him freaking out about you know, it's really just he's in a deep sleep and this alarm's jarring. Like it has nothing to do with diabetes. But that just really that gave me a good chuckle. That was <laughs> my so story. Funny. And you <laughs> and you said something just now that I, I wanted to touch on because I think you mentioned I, I actually I'm not really remembering exactly what it was, but it made me think of some the way that I'm oh the fear. How when you're talking about fear and one of the ways I manage the fear of, you know, the what ifs, like the down the line mm-hmm. of all the kind of like long term symptoms or side effects rather that can come with this disease is, is, and I manage it when I'm really proactive, like I'm less stressed when I'm more, you know, you know, talking with my doctors on a mm-hmm. more regular basis. I mean, I know that sounds kind of simple, but like, like how Emily, you were saying, we're, we're used to kind of just like dealing with it on our own. And like, I know what's best for my body. And, and I, I know how to manage this and that I've been doing it for X number of years. But the truth is once in a while that that's that fear does creep in. And especially now, you know, as I'm a mother and, and realizing that, you know, I have these little boys that are relying on me and they will, you know, I want to be in their life for a long time. So just like, being really, really proactive about my health in kind of like a very tangible way Mm -hmm. also helps to alleviate that emotional part of it, like the fear and the stress too. I just wanted to say that. Yeah. No, amen. That's That's a really good tidbit for sure. Yeah. It's so true. Well, thank you so much, Bethany. I'm going to wrap up unless you have any final questions, Miriam final pressing thoughts no I think you did a good explanation and this was like a really different perspective for us and for our audience of having having one of us you know we've talked to parents of type 1 diabetics of toddlers with type 1 diabetes and how that experience is having not having diabetes themselves so I think you offer a very different perspective for us um, that we can relate to because you know one day in the future hopefully we'll be mothers as well and so it's it's very exciting to hear from you, your perspective of I've had this type one, 
and I've had kids and this is how I deal with it as a mother. And so thank you for sharing your perspective and, and, and a full blown career and just badass yeah. lady on top of it. And you're, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. you're an official pancreas so, pal now. Oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. And, you know, I, and I, I want to be a resource for other people too. Um, you know, and if you can reach me on social media, I'm pretty easy to find. And if people have questions about, you know, parenting with this disease or becoming pregnant or managing, you know, managing diabetes and pregnancy, I'm, I'm available. So I just wanted to put that out there too. Yes. Love Hit up Bethany. Her Instagram is, this is perfect. This is my favorite part is wrapping it up. So you can reach her at Bethany Braun Silva. We will spell that out for you. I will not spell it right now because I don't want to be put on the spot. Uh, you can reach her <laughs> at her full name on Instagram. You can follow us at pancreas underscore pals where we will be tagging Bethany in the upcoming episode. So it's a really easy and quick way to go follow her. Uh, check us out on Facebook at pancreas pals PP. You can slide into our DMs on both, either, whatever floats your boat. We love getting emails from you guys, and our email is pancreaspals123 at gmail.com. Be sure to like, subscribe, whatever the kids say these days. And um, thank you so much, Bethany. You have been a joy, and I hope we have you on again soon. There's so much more we can talk about. But, you know, for now, I'm uh, pretty, pretty stoked to to hear you can be a very happy, functioning type one with healthy, happy kids that hopefully don't steal your pump anymore. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yes, hopefully they learned their lesson on that one. All right, guys. (laughs) 